The Secret Church Podcast is a resource from Radical.net. For The Secret Church 20 study guide and other resources that go along with this audio, visit Radical.net slash SC20. And this is Secret Church 20, Episode 2. All right. Session two, and I'm guessing some of you are looking at that uh, study guide you have in front of you, and you're like, uh, we're like 30 pages in of 180, and it feels like we got a long way to go, and we do, which means we're about to step up the pace. Uh, so, and maybe you think, well, I think we've been going kind of fast. Well, uh, we're about to go a lot faster. It's going to make what we've been doing uh, feel pretty slow. So, but this first section In a sense, we're going to go swiftly through, but I just want to say from the very beginning, just kind of stop here and say to every person listening, wherever you're sitting right now, for some of you who've been a part of Secret Church before, this may be kind of a refresher, but every year there are people who come to faith in Jesus at Secret Church, and I've prayed that that would happen, particularly in the next few minutes as we look at what the gospel is, what the good news of God's love means. And some of you may be sitting here in the next few minutes and think, well, yeah, I believe these truths in my head. Big deal. Even demons believe what I'm about to say. Like, what I want to ask is, have the truths we're about to look at as the gospel captured your heart in such a way that the core of your life has been turned upside down changes the way you live on a moment-by-moment basis. Like, that's what I'm asking. We just read Philippians 1.27 a minute ago. Let your life, manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Like, is this gospel core to who you are, where it has transformed your very identity, where Jesus is your life? That's the question I want to ask as we look at the gospel. So the good news that God, the loving creator, sovereign king, and holy judge of all has looked upon Men and women, wonderfully and uniquely made in his image, who have rebelled against him, are separated from him, and deserve death before him. And he has sent his son, Jesus, God in the flesh, the long-awaited king, to live a perfect and powerful life, to die a sacrificial and substitutionary death, and to rise from the grave in victory over sin, Satan, and death. The gospel is a summons from God for all people in all nations to repent and believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, turning from all idols to declare allegiance to Jesus alone as king and trust in Jesus alone as Lord. All who turn from Jesus will experience everlasting, horrifying suffering in hell, while all who trust in Jesus will experience everlasting, satisfying communion with God in heaven. That's my best attempt to summarize the gospel. And we're about to walk through it. I hope every word there is grounded in scripture. So the two passages that come to my mind that most clearly summarize the gospel are Romans 3, 21 and 26 through 26, probably the greatest paragraph ever written, like period in history, what Martin Luther called the chief point of the whole Bible. And then Ephesians chapter two, verses one through 10. So based on those two passages and all kinds of scriptures that's going to flow, I want you to think with me about six core threads of the gospel. And we'll use gospel as an acrostic that I hope will help you remember it. So starting with G, God's character, O, offensive sin, S, sufficiency of Christ, P, personal response, E, eternal urgency, and L, life transformation. So let's think about these six threads of the gospel. One, God's character. The gospel begins and ends with God. He's the loving creator, sovereign king, and holy judge of all. He's the loving creator of all. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, Isaiah 40, 28. 
God is the sovereign king over all. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and on the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. You are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you. You rule over all. In your hand are power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And God is the holy judge of all. The Lord judges the people, Psalm 7, 8. The Lord of hosts is exalted in justice, Isaiah 5, 16. And the Lord, God who is judge, is holy, 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 Isaiah 6, 3. In all of his judgments, he is holy, right. Which then leads to the offense of sin. Men and women are wonderfully and uniquely created by God, yet we have rebelled against him, are separated from him, and deserve death before him. Wonderfully and uniquely created by God in his image with the capacity to know and enjoy God, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, did together in our mother's womb, fearfully and wonderfully made by God himself, Psalm 139. The problem is men and women have rebelled against God. We've all turned aside from God, Romans chapter three, sinned against God, Romans chapter five, which leads to the reality that men and women are separated from God and the fullness of his goodness. And ultimately, men and women deserve death before God. And not just death on this earth, but as we will see, eternal death. Men and women are hopeless in our sin, destined for death, desperately in need of salvation from sin, deliverance from death, which leads to the sufficiency of Christ. Jesus is the only way you and I can be saved from our sin and delivered from death. He is God in the flesh, the long-awaited king who has come to live a perfect and powerful life, to die a sacrificial and substitutionary death, to rise from the grave in victory over sin, Satan, and death. So unpack that. Jesus is God in the flesh, the long-awaited king who has come, promised all throughout the Old Testament, the king's coming, New Testament. John announces, the word has become flesh, dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory of his only one, son of the father, full of grace and truth. In words recorded by Matthew, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. So what makes Jesus unique? He lived a perfect and powerful life, unlike anyone else in all of history, in every respect, tempted as we are, yet without sin, Hebrews 4.15. And in there is no sin, 1 John 3.5. He lived the life that none of us have lived, then he died the death. You and I deserve to die. He died a sacrificial and substitutionary death. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, for our sin, Romans 5.8. For our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He took our sin upon himself, died for our sin, and then the good news keeps getting better because he didn't stay dead for long. Jesus rose from the grave in victory over sin, Satan, and death. Colossians 2.15, Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities, put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Like my older sons asked me just a couple of weeks ago, Dad, how do we know Christianity is true when there's so many other religions in the world? I said, that is a great question. And the answer is the resurrection of Jesus, boys. Like no one else in all the world, no religious teacher, leader, no one has conquered death but Jesus. And everything hinges on that reality. Not just in Christianity and world religions, everything in our lives. Like this is Paul's argument in 1 Corinthians 15. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we are wasting our time to be pitied among all people. Christian life makes no sense if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. But if Jesus did rise from the dead, then that has implications for every single person in the world. And not just now, but for all of eternity. The only thing that makes sense, Jesus rose from the dead, is to trust him with your life, follow him as your Lord, no matter what that means in this world. Which leads to the personal response that is a fundamental part of the gospel. The gospel is not just good news about what God has done, it's what God calls us to do. God calls all people in all nations to repent and believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, turning from all idols to declare allegiance to Jesus alone as king and trusting in Jesus alone as Lord of one's life. God calls all people in all nations to repent 
and believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. That was Jesus' message from the beginning. Repent and believe in the gospel, Mark 1, 14 and 15. This was Jesus' message in the end, right before he ascended into heaven. Thus it's written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. The repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. So what does it mean to repent? For the forgiveness of sins, it means to turn from all idols, from false gods, from sin, from ourselves to the one true God who is Lord over all and Lord over our lives. This is the essence of salvation. Isaiah 45, 22. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. The Bible describes coming to Christ as turning to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So repentance involves turning from all idols to declare allegiance to Jesus alone as king. He alone is king of kings, Lord of lords. Jesus alone is worthy of our lives, which means repentance involves trusting in Jesus alone as Lord of one's life. Galatians 2, 20 sums it up. This is the true Christian's confession. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. It's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Like Christ is not part of my life on the side over here. Not Christianity. Christ is my life. Philippians 1, 21. Which means the Christian now and forever rests in and relies on what God has done for Christ, in Christ, for our salvation. Which means... All of salvation from start to finish is a gift of grace. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And whether or not we respond personally in faith and repentance has eternal ramifications. There is eternal urgency in the gospel. Hell is the eternal horrifying destination for all who turn from Jesus. Like do not play games with faith in Jesus. Don't fake it or put it off. Hell is real. The Bible talks about, look about two-thirds of the way this passage from 2 Thessalonians 1. Thessalonians 1. Those who suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his might. Revelation 20 talks about those whose names were not found written in the book of life being thrown into the lake of fire. Like all who turn from Jesus will spend eternity forever in what the Bible describes as a lake of fire. People say, is that symbolic or literal language? Doesn't matter. Either way, it's not a place you want to be. If it's literal language, that's a horrifying place to be. If it's symbolic language, the whole point of a symbol is to express in words that which can't be expressed in words. So that's an even more horrifying place to be. And it will last forever without end. Hell is the eternal horrifying destination for all who turn from Jesus. Heaven is the eternal satisfying dwelling place of God with all who trust in Jesus. For all who trust in Jesus as their life, our citizenship is in heaven. Revelation 21 describes heaven as the place where God will dwell with man. We will be with him. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Death will be no more. Neither shall be mourning, crying, or pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Unless we think of Christian life as just about joy then, not joy now. Just think about just, just about abundant life in heaven, not abundant life on earth. No. Last fast of the gospel, life transformation. Anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. All who believe the gospel are new creations. They are filled with God's spirit, children in God's family, members of God's church, and heirs of God's kingdom. Filled with the spirit of God. So that the Christian life is not a list of instructions you have to follow. It's a life of satisfaction you get to experience. Ezekiel 36, supernatural power, Luke 24, Acts 1. Galatians 5, supernatural love, supernatural joy, supernatural peace, and on and on and on. All who believe the gospel are filled with God's spirit, children and God's family, adopted as God's son or daughter, Ephesians 1. So you can come to God anytime, any day, the God of the universe as your dad, Romans 8. 
All who believe the gospel are members of God's church, a part of the body of Christ, an invaluable part of that body, by the way, 1 Corinthians 12. Ephesians 2, you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And all who believe the gospel are heirs of God's kingdom. Ephesians 1, Romans 8 says, if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, provided we may suffer with him in order that one day we will be glorified with him. So let us be finished and done with a Christianity that consists of praying a prayer one day, then moving on with your life, spending your life like nothing has changed. Everything has changed. The spirit of God lives in you. You now know and walk with and enjoy and love and want to glorify God as your father, as a member of his body, the bride of Christ, the church. You no longer live for the possessions, pursuits, pleasures of this world. You're living for another world. You're storing up treasure there. You know, you're living for not what matters now, what matters forever. That's what's driving you day in and day out. The gospel changes everything about your life. So I ask you, I just ask every single person right now, is Jesus your? life is Jesus your life I can honestly ask and answer the question like is Jesus your life and if the answer to that question is not a resounding yes in your heart I just want to ask you I want to just pause right now and I ask you to bow your heads let's just all do this just, just bow your heads and if, if that's if, if yes you know Jesus is your life you just pray right now like that in this moment, like God would draw people to trust in Jesus, experience Jesus as their life. But if that is not a resounding yes in your heart right now, I, I want to invite you just to pray in your heart and to say, say, dear God, I, I confess that you are holy and I am not. That I have sinned against you. Just say in your heart, I have turned aside from you in my life. But tonight, right now, I want to turn to you. I want to turn from all idols in this world, money, success, the pleasures, pursuits of this world, myself. Right now, tonight, I turn from my sin and myself and I put my trust in you. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin, from rising from the dead in victory over sin. Tonight, in this moment, I confess you as my Lord and I trust you with my life forever. In Jesus' name. And if with our heads still bowed, if you just pray that to God from your heart, like this is faith, this is repentance. Trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord. So God, I pray for all those who are trusting you right now, that they would know life transformation from you from this point on. And I pray for all who have trusted in you, who would said coming into tonight, yes, Jesus is my life. Like, please, God, help us to make this gospel known among people who've never even heard it. And we've seen video, we started praying. God, use our lives, spend our lives on an adventure, however you want that adventure to look, making this gospel known among people who've never even heard it. God, we pray the fruit of this night would be this gospel proclaimed in all nations through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so... Uh, if, if you trusted in Christ 
now. I'm trusting Jesus for your life. Just share that with somebody. That's just the first step I would encourage you to do. Just share that with somebody who you know is a follower of Jesus. Don't keep that to yourself. And then from there, to get plugged into a local church and, and grow in Christ. Um, so share that with somebody. Thank you for listening. You can find more episodes from Secret Church and thousands of other free resources at Radical.net.